All right. Uh, how many of you feel like we've been talking about faith walkers for two years? <laughs> we have, uh, but we were separated by about seven years in between. We started in 2006 and decided to tackle Hebrews 11 and study a lot of people that walked by faith. I uh, covered quite a few of them, and then we tackled it again this year, and uh, we have covered a total of 14 different characters in two years, and there's still some left in there, so we might come back uh, sometime and finish up. But uh, this is the last uh, Faith Walker message this year. Uh, next week, Brother Alex Flood will be speaking, and then the week after that, singing week. So Faith Walkers is wrapping up tonight with the end of the story about Rahab. We started Rahab's story last week and learned just a little bit about her, saw that she was listed in uh, Christ's ancestry. Uh, she's called an example of faith in Hebrews 11 for hiding the spies. She's called an example of righteousness. Uh, and tonight we want to look at her story and see exactly what happened. So her story is in all of Joshua chapter 2. That's where we're going to start. Joshua chapter 2, the whole thing's about Rahab and the spies. And then the rest of her story is over in chapter 6 where Jericho uh, falls apart. So let's start with uh, Joshua 2 and verse 1 and learn a couple of things and then we'll go on. Chapter 2 verse 1 says, Joshua, the son of Nun, secretly sent two spies and he said, go look over the land, especially Jericho. Now remember they were, Moses had got them to the promised land. Moses couldn't go in. It was turned over to Joshua. Joshua was going to lead them in. He's the commander. And before he goes in, he sends two spies to look at the land over, especially Jericho. And the spies, they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. We don't know why or how or any of the reasons they picked there or uh, how God directed them or what, but that's the story. Uh, out of that verse, one thing that kind of struck me was Joshua. He obviously learned something from 40 years ago, didn't he? Uh, he only sent two spies. <laughs> the last time he went in as a spy, and there were 12 of them. I think the committee was a little too large, evidently. And Joshua said, two, two guys can handle this. Uh, he and Caleb had been the faithful spies before. So for some reason, he just tipped, picked two spies, sent them in, and told them to especially look at Jericho. Want to see what, what that's about. Uh, so, so that gets us started. And the other thing in that piece is there are some people, some scholars, or so-called scholars, that try to translate the word for prostitute as an innkeeper. They try to make things a little nicer and say that's why they stayed there. She was an innkeeper, and it's been mistranslated or something. I don't get into the details of it, but you look everywhere else in the Bible. She's repeatedly pointed out as a prostitute. God wanted us to know who she was, uh, what kind of woman she was, and yet she still had faith in God and became uh, a believer and then uh, recognized for her faith. So if you ever read that in some study Bible or something, you can discount that. Rahab was a, a woman of bad repute in town, shall we say. Okay. I broke her story up into three parts, and the first one is down in verse 8 through 11. This is where she declares her faith. A little stuff happens before that, but we'll come back to it. So jump down to verse 8. 
Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord, she used the name for Jehovah there, that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Okay? So she's telling them, I've heard about the Israelites. We've heard stories about you guys. And what I've figured out from all of this is your God's God. Now, there are a whole lot of other gods in Jericho. Okay, but here's a woman who ends up being recognized for her faith, and I think here's the key. She, she's got enough sense or enough faith to, from the story she's heard, figure out this has got to be the real God. Okay. So she declares her faith there. She tells the spies, everybody's heard about you. We're all scared to death. Uh, but the rest of them are just scared to death. I've got faith that your God is God in heaven and on earth. So that's where she declared, declared it. She believed in God before the spies got there. It wasn't like they showed up and had a home Bible study with her and got her convinced she had a good heart. Okay. There's a whole lot of people like that in the world. That's what we have a television program on for. There are people that may not know the details about God, but they've looked at the world, they've looked at all the other gods, and their heart is good, and they want the real God. Oh, I, I know I've met some over the years. I, I think we've been sent places specifically sometimes to cross paths with those people because God's hearing their heart. He knows they're looking for him. Well, you can argue all day about why the spies picked her place, but I think that's the answer. God sent them there. Anyhow, so she declares her faith before the spies told her anything or tried to talk her into anything or anything else. Now let's jump back up to verse 2. And we'll see her faith demonstrated. Here's what was going on in Jericho when the spies came. Verse 2. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Evidently, the, his spies, he had, NSA was operating there in Jericho. They knew where everybody was. And they knew some spies and two strangers had gone into Rahab's house. So he sent word to her, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they've come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I didn't know where they'd come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go up after them quickly. You might catch up with them. But she had really taken them up on the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So king's men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone, the gate was shut. So 
she lied, covered up, sent the uh, NSA somewhere else. Down in verse two, 12 then, after she's declared her faith, she's back up on the roof with the spies now. And she says, now, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show me kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Uh, give me a sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Well, spies agreed. They said, all right, our lives for your lives. If you don't tell what we're doing, we'll treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, Go to the hills so the pursuers won't find you. So obviously that was the other way. Then she sent the pursuers. Hide yourself for three days, and when they come back, then you can go on your way. And the men thought they better get this covered. They said, now, the oath you made us swear will not be binding unless when we enter the land, you've tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you've brought your father and mother, your brothers, and all your family into your house... If anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who's in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we're doing, we'll be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she replied. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Okay, and they went away into the hills and got ready for the attack. So... She lied to the, the king and his people. She covered up for them, but she made a deal with them. She said, I know your Lord's, your God's going to take this place, so I want protection for me and my family. And they said, we can handle that as long as we know which place to go, and you got to get your family in here. We're not going to go out in the streets hunting for them, but if you get them all in here, we'll take care of them when the, when the attack comes. And bear in mind, she's going to have plenty of knowledge of the attack. She's going to have a week's warning on the attack. Um, so that's the demonstration of her faith. Now, what do I mean, demonstration of her faith? Well, in Hebrews eleven thirty one, what she's commended for, what she says she has found faithful for, was because she welcomed the spies. Okay? She hid them. She knew it was dangerous. She knew the king didn't want that to happen, but she believed their God would take care of her. So she did a dangerous thing, trusting their God instead of her king. She kept her part of the bargain. We'll find out later and all that. But the demonstration of her faith was that she did something. She acted. We've seen that in every faith walker we look at. They're commended for faith, but then this verse always goes on and says, because she did this, because he did this. Okay, it's easy to tell the spies when they first show up, hey, I've heard about you guys and I believe Jehovah's God. But then from that faith, she said, I'll, I'll keep you, I'll hide you, I'll mislead the king, I'll protect you. Because I believe your God's going to destroy this place. So her action was the demonstration of her faith. If we hadn't learned anything in two years, I hope we've learned that at least. All right, now let's jump over to chapter 6, and we'll see her deliverance. I called it her declaration, her demonstration, and her deliverance. 
She's first mentioned in verse 17. Uh, Joshua was giving orders about the uh, marching around the city and all of that, uh, telling them they go. You know the story. They march around six days and uh, got the trumpets and all that. Then on the seventh day, they're going to walk around seven times and blow the trumpets, and the walls are going to fall down and uh, the whole story. So verse 17 says, uh, "The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute." And all who are with her in her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. So the spies had come back, made their report to Joshua. He's following through on the bargain. So he tells the whole army, here's what's going to happen when you march around, but we're going to take care of Rahab. Anybody in her house, they're okay. Uh, Then down verse 22, the story finishes. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. So the younger men who had done the spying went into, went into, went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family, put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. So. Jericho's gone except for Rahab and her family. God did follow through like she trusted, like she believed he would. Uh, She went on, and we talked a little bit about this last week. She went on to marry well. Uh, She settled with the Israelites. She married a prince of Israel. Uh, Ended up being King David's great-great-grandmother. So, quite a change. I mean, the story's good just for that. Uh, the change from a prostitute in a pagan city who knows nothing about Jehovah God to becoming living with the becoming a believer first, uh, then living with the Israelites, and then marrying the the prince of Judah, and being in Matthew chapter one, the ancestor of Jesus. That's pretty good uh, progress for where she started, especially all because of her faith. All right, so that's Rahab's story. Uh, she recognized in Hebrews 11. Now, let's ask a couple questions about this and think about it just a little bit and then wrap up tonight. I know it's been a busy weekend and teens are wore out and got more to do yet today. So uh, let's finish Rahab, Rahab up with a couple of questions and, and thought questions here. One, I put the thing in there about the lie just to let you think about that a little bit. You can argue about that in your own house and... Uh, see why if it was okay for her to lie. Good ethical discussion for you to have. She's in the Hall of Faith in spite of lying, so you can figure out why. Uh, we talked about the second one last week. Uh, if God can use Rahab, what was your excuse again? Uh, I, th- I think it's a pretty good question for anybody that doesn't think they can do anything. Uh, if you read the story of Rahab and see what a mess... She came out of because she just simply believed in God. Uh, I think we ought to think that we can do anything that we're called on to do. Last one is probably the, the one we need to talk about the most. Uh, what's the difference between walking by faith, being counted righteous, and walking with God? Uh, and 
take longer than we got. You could discuss that for a long, long time, I think. But let me draw a few distinctions, I think, and help us from getting confused on some of them. Sometimes we talk about somebody that walks by faith, that that takes a step of faith and does something where they, they don't know the outcome for sure. But I'm not sure we always equate that with being counted righteous. I think sometimes we get in our head that being counted righteous has to do with all the good things we do. If we do enough good and don't do any wrong, at least from our list, well, then he kind of owes it to us. We're going to be counted righteous. The Bible doesn't talk about it that way. In fact, Paul goes out of his way to say, I, I'm the chief sinner, chief, the chief of sinners. But by faith, I, I get to be counted righteous. And Paul was excited about it. He thought that was the best thing he ever heard of. That's why he spent his whole life trying to teach people that. The walking by faith part, that's what we've looked at in these 14 characters that we've talked on and on about for a couple of years, 14 different people that are listed, either in almost all of them in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. we got a couple from other places, but almost all of them. And if you had to, if I gave you an assignment, go home and write down a, a paragraph or three or four sentences that all those faith walkers had in common. Could you do that? I mean, some of your memories that good and maybe some of you kept the notes you go back and cheat a little bit and, and see in those 14 were there any perfect ones let me ask it that way no some of them all we know about them is perfect i mean enoch's about the only one that we know he didn't do anything wrong but all the rest of them that's got any story to them they messed up somewhere And some of them were pretty big mess-ups. But they're all called faith walkers. They're all counted righteous. They all, like I said before, they're listed in Hebrews 11, and it says, by faith, they were counted righteous by faith when or because they did this. Or that or the other. So they had enough faith to act on it, to do something. And some of them took bigger leaps of faith than others, we might think. But that's what they all had in common. They all had faith in God and did what he told them. That was the the picture of their lives. Did they mess up sometimes? Yeah. And beyond messing up, did... did all, did any of them have perfect faith where whenever God had said anything, they just did it? No questions asked. Now we found a couple like that that seemed to, but like Moses, it started, I mean, no, it said he carried out what God said exactly. But out of the 14 we studied, not all the faith walkers in the Bible, when we've got enough of the story about them, we find almost always that at some point in there, they doubt, they question, they argue, 
They ask for signs. Remember that? Remember Moses? We spent more time on Moses than anybody. And remember how many times he went back and forth with God? And God called him a faith walker. He counted him righteous. But every time you turn your page, God has said, Oh, Moses, I want you to do this next. He said, Oh, whoa, no, not me. Not me. Here's the reasons I can't do that. And sometimes you turn the page and he's going to God and he's saying, Why'd you do that? You know, you got me all the way down here to Egypt. I'm supposed to be the big star and get them all out. And Pharaoh's killing people, you know. He's making the job harder. They're blaming me. What is going on? You go through the faith walkers and you'll find a whole lot of that. You'll find a bunch of them. In fact, almost all of them that we have enough story about that they questioned and doubted and argued and asked for signs. That's okay. That's okay. Walking by faith, though, means it. ultimately you trust God. And, yeah, I don't know why, but I'm going to do it. You take that step. Okay? Now, that's the same as being counted righteous. That's what they're counted righteous for. Don't get in your head that being counted righteous is performing perfectly or never doubting or never asking a question. It's just not. Well, it's not possible, but it's just not. It's having the faith in God to take the steps that he asks you to do, maybe after a struggle, but you do it. And you're counted righteous for it, even though the mess-ups are there. Even though you lie, maybe, sometimes. Now, the walking with God, the reason I put that in there, the third one, is because I think there's a little difference there. Now, it's only mentioned a few times. Not many people it's said that of. Noah, it's it's said that of. And Enoch, it's said that of. That he walked with God. Noah says he was a righteous man. He was blameless. He carried out God's instructions perfectly. He walked with God. So there's a few people in the Bible that that's talked about. And I personally, and I wouldn't wouldn't argue very long with you about this, I, I personally think that's a little more mature position among faith walkers. I think you walk with, uh, you walk by faith long enough and you see enough of God's responses and His taking care of things and all that, that toward the end perhaps, you walk with God. You're, you're so close to Him that you don't do as much questioning and arguing and asking. But even though I see a different degree there, the, the, Barely getting by the, the Rahabs. She just did one thing by faith that we know of at her position. And God counted that righteous. I don't know what she was like in later life, but I hope she grew in faith. That's why we're talking about this. How can we grow in faith? I think walking with God is a little bit different. I think 
somebody that that would be said of does less questioning and arguing and debating things with God and they're so close to him that they just accept it and understand it. Uh, I've used an illustration before of children. When they grow up, they they learn our will more. They They understand what we want. I think that's what a faith walker does. He gets so close to God that he knows what God's will is. Okay, if that's what you want, I'll do it. All right, uh, that covers Rahab and the basics of faith walking. Let me just say one thing as we close here. The part of Hebrews 11 I'd really like to get to sometime is I've got no information for, but I'd like to know about it. Toward the end of Hebrews 11, look at verse uh, 32. The writer of Hebrews says, what more shall I say? I don't have time. To tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and some of the prophets and all that. And then he gives some summaries of what some of them did. And he doesn't have time to tell you all about them. uh, But he mentions some things like he mentions uh, being in the lion's den and all that. And we assume he's maybe he's talking about Daniel there and all that. He mentions a few general things. But then in verse 35 he kind of changes from these people that he doesn't have time to talk about. Verse 35 and on is what I'd like to know about. He says, women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us, would they be made perfect? That's an amazing paragraph. I don't know who those people are. I'd like to know. That's one of the questions. When I get there, I'm going to say, I want to meet those folks. You know, of course, the first question is going to have to be, who wrote Hebrews? So I can go ask him who those people are. <laughs> but he, he mentions these people, and obviously they're all Old Testament people. Uh, he might have some New Testament saints in there. I don't know if he wrote this uh, at a time when he knew some of the New Testament persecutions. He might have put some of those in there. But I imagine it's mostly Old Testament saints because of that last thing he says. Uh, these were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Uh, God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. That's the Christian age. That's when Jesus is reigning. That's when we're in that new time of being in the new kingdom and it's prepared for us. We're going to be glorified. I shall appear with him in glory, Isaac Watts said. So he said they all got commended for faith, but they never got their reward. They were martyred. They were sawn in two. All sorts of things happened. I'd like to know who those folks were. Uh, they were faith walkers just as much as the ones like Moses that we could spend 
weeks talking about the ones we don't even know were also great faith walkers. And I hope that we've got a whole lot of faith walkers in this room. The lesson is yours. The series is yours for a while at least. If you're here this evening and need to respond in some way to God's invitation, we'd invite you to come to the front. Let's stand and sing. If you need to come, come.